All right, 2 Kings chapter 6 tonight. 2 Kings chapter 6 tonight. Now, the Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And some of the things that come with the Old Testament, uh, we wonder uh, what the profit in that is. How could we profit from it? We got a little uh, story tonight that's exciting (laughs) because it shows us the mighty power of God in taking and um, doing something that was impossible to do. Um, And it shows us something about the prophets. But then it's one of those passages that there are several applications to. In other words, you can take it and you can apply it. It's not speaking directly to that. Uh, It's not The interpretation of this passage is very straightforward. uh, But the applications of it are numerous. Some of them that I've heard are quite stretched. Uh, but there's plenty of applications that you can put. We're going to look at it tonight, and we're going to take one particular application uh, of it. That's the story about Elisha when the axe head floated. Elisha when the axe head floated. It's the first six verses uh, of chapter 6 of <clears throat> Second Kings. Chap- uh, first, first six verses of chapter 6 of Second Kings. And the sons of the prophet said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make a place there that we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. Uh, so he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down the wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he cut down a stick and cast it thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. Let's pray. Father, would you bless us tonight as we look to your word? And would you help us to take your truth, Lord, and apply it to our lives that we might be helped and that we might be blessed in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, it's a great story, right? Story about these, uh, the, the School of the Prophets. And by the way, it does tell us several things. Uh, first of all, it tells us that the School of the Prophets, what you would call in the Old Testament, I suppose, a seminary, uh, training preachers, training preachers uh, to be prophets, it was growing. It's growing now since Elijah's time. And uh, <clears throat> though Elijah failed, uh, as far as the outward signs of revival are concerned, everything was going great, and he went on the run uh, from Jezebel. Though it appeared that he failed, he didn't really fail. Things happened. Things changed in the nation. Uh, Elijah was a, w- was a game changer. He was a nation changer. He turned things around. And so what we've got now is we've got a school of the prophets, and we've got something that's growing. And it's growing so much that these guys come to Elisha, and they say, listen, uh, <clears throat> it's too tight for us, too straight. That word straight means it's too tight. It's too restricted. We're, we're kind of falling over each other. We're, we're, we're on top of each other in it. Uh, can, can we have your permission to go and build us a bigger place? And so Elisha says, yeah, you can have my permission. Go ahead and do it. And then they ask something else. They say, now listen, will you go with us? Which was very uh, a good deal for them in this case. It was very good that they asked uh, Elisha if he would go with them, right? And uh, so they went. And one guy's chopping down a tree to to make this new uh, house for the prophets to live in. And his axe head falls off the axe. Dangerous thing, by the way, when an axe head falls off. It can go flying, it can do a lot of damage. But in this case, what it did was it went into the water and it was lost to him. And he, and he couldn't find it. I'm sure he tried to find it. The Bible doesn't tell us all that, but I'm sure he tried to find it. And <clears throat> so he came to Elisha and he says, Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. It's not even mine. 
uh, the axe head was borrowed. Now, uh, in Old Testament times, if you borrowed something and you broke it or you lost it, you were responsible for it. And iron <clears throat> was a pretty expensive commodity in those days. Tools were expensive. The Philistines at different times actually denied the nation of Israel iron because they could make swords and so on with it, so they would actually uh, stop them from having it. So, so it's, it's an expensive commodity, and this man has just lost it. Now, he's poor, right? He's, he's in the school of the prophets. He's not making much money. Uh, we saw a couple of weeks ago where the prophet uh, died, and he owed money, and his widow uh, was looking at her children being sold, and so she came to Elisha, and Elisha uh, <clears throat> told her about the oil, and she, so she, uh, she saw a miracle there, and she saw the oil. So this man is poor. And, you know, it's not just, oh, Fizz, I lost a hammer. This is, no, uh, <clears throat> this is the axe head. This is, this is going to cost me. And so he's in, he's in pretty upset about it. So he, he, he comes to Elijah, and he tells Elisha that, 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 that it's fallen. And Elisha asks him, where did where, where'd you lose it? And so Elisha does something that is just incredible. He makes the iron swim. Now, how do you do that? That's a class A miracle. Iron does not swim. Do you ever see a piece of iron swimming? Iron does not swim. Now, it's interesting uh, some of the commentaries have some great ex- explanations as to <clears throat> uh, how Elisha did this that explain away the supernatural. By the way, there's a whole movement out there that wants to explain away the supernatural. And if you live it, listen to it, and let it in, your faith will be damaged. One guy has this uh, wonderful story where Elisha uh, made himself a spear, and he saw where the axe head was, and he threw the spear, and the spear was a long spear, and it went into the head of the axe, and then he was able to lift it out of the water. That's a great story, but there's no justification for any of that. It says clearly that Elisha made the axe head swim. The axe head came from the bottom of the water, and it came up, and he made it swim. That's a miracle. That's just incredible. And so he tells the guy, take it to you. The guy takes it to him, and um, they go on about their way. The day is saved, right? So that's what the story is about. That's what it means. Uh, That's what it's talking about. But I want to take an application of it tonight. I want to take take an application that I think is helpful uh, for us. Uh, And I want to deal with it as a crisis and how we deal with a crisis in life. What do we do when the crisis of life comes our way? Because crisis of life... Crisis come our way no matter what we do. Uh, what do we do, though, when crisis come our way? Now, this poor man uh, that lost the axe head, it really wasn't anything wrong he'd done. Now, we might say he was being too vigorous in his chopping of the wood, but, you know, there's no justification for saying that either. He was just chopping the wood. The axe head was loose, and the axe head fell off. So, really, he wasn't responsible for it. There wasn't anything that he had done that was wrong uh, in order to bring this about. And sometimes you're going to end up in trouble in a crisis, and it's because not because of anything you've done. It's just because something went wrong. Now, sometimes it's going to be your fault, and the same principles are going to apply to it. But sometimes, uh, even though you are careful, even though you watch out, even though you take the best care you possibly can, even though you try to live right and do right, sometimes what's going to happen for you, you're going to find yourself in a crisis. You're going to find yourself with a problem, uh, and it may well be no fault of your own. I mean, you may come to a place where where you're driving a car, and um, something unforeseen pops out, and you hit someone, and it may not be your fault at all. 
But you know what? Uh, you'll be held responsible for it. But, you know, <clears throat> it, it comes down to you. Uh, it could be in your life a financial crisis that comes your way that you really hadn't seen, that you hadn't been watching for. And, um, <clears throat> you know, something that just happens and you find yourself in a financial crisis. Uh, it could be uh, your health that goes on you. It can be all kinds of things that happen to you. And what happens is you're facing a crisis and you're really... It's not your, your fault. Uh, you've not planned on it. You've not expected it. But something has happened, and it's just going to cost you. It's going to be a bother. It's going to be a difficulty uh, to you. So <clears throat> what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some principles. How to deal with a crisis in your life, right? <clears throat> how to deal with a crisis in your life. First point is this, right? Prepare for the crisis before it happens by including God in your life. Prepare for the crisis before it happens by including God in your life. You see, uh, when, when this poor man <clears throat> realized his axe was, uh, that the axe head was gone, it was missing, it was buried in the water, he had a place to turn to. He had Elisha, the man of God. If you like to speak, he invited, he had invited God uh, to come along with him. He didn't want to go without him. So he had Elisha there. He had someone to turn to. Uh, he had made it important in his life that Elisha would be there when the problem came. Now, you and I need to do that in our lives. We need to make sure that God's in our, in our lives. Now, how are you going to do that? How are you going to make sure that God's in your life? Well, obviously, the first step would be for you to get saved. You get born again. I, when you're born again, I mean, God's in your life. But we'll assume that on a Sunday night, everybody here is born again. Uh, I hope you are. If you're not, fix it. Just get it right. right? We'll assume that everybody here is born again. But uh, even though you may say that you're, you, you're born again, um, you can get away from God, can't you? In fact, you can live your life far away from God. Some Christians, it's as though they get saved. They meet with God when they get saved, and they plan on meeting him again when they get to heaven. And they live their lives in between times, you know, as though he doesn't exist. That's not a very clever thing for you or I to do in our lives. We need to make sure that God is intimately involved in our lives. We need to have some habits of life that actually include God all the time. We need to spend our time in the Word of God every day. <clears throat> you need to get in the habit of opening your Bible every day. And you need to open your Bible with this in mind. Okay, in your, in your Bible reading, you want to meet with God, right? That's the first thing you want to do. But the second thing you want to do when you're, uh, in your Bible time is you want to hear from him about your day. Lord, I got a whole bunch of stuff coming down the pike that I have no idea uh, what's happening or how it's going to go. Lord, I may have trouble today. I may have, Lord, would you lead me and guide me now? as far as my day is concerned. You want to invite God into your day. You don't want to be out there doing a solo run uh, in your life on any day because you don't know. You don't, I don't know. You don't know what's going to happen on any given day. And, and when something happens, yes, listen, I can cry out to God uh, when something happens. But you know what? I want God involved in my life so that as I go through my day, uh, as I go through the cut and thrust of life, as I face the crisis that might be coming my way, that God is involved in it. So I'm going to have devotions every day. I'm not going to wait to have devotions until I go home at night. Now, some of you may do that, and you know what? The Bible doesn't say you have to. But I want God involved in my life all day. I don't, I don't want it to be something that I'm tacking on at the end of the day. I'm not going to miss days on devotions if I can at all help it. You say, hang on, that, Pastor, that's a burden. No, it's really not a burden if you develop the habit of life. Develop the habit of life of spending time with God, looking to God 
every day. First thing you get up in the morning, you look to God. You spend time in the Word of God. You spend time communing with God. Because you know what? This is a scary world out there. Scary things happen to people in the world we live in. I want God in my life. I want God in my life. I want Him there all the way. I don't want uh, to f- end up facing something uh, <clears throat> that God uh, is not involved in. I want His presence there. Right? <clears throat> you see, when we habitually disregard the Lord in the matters of life, our daily matters of life, or when we even deliberately choose to exclude Him, now how do you deliberately ex- choose to exclude Him? Well, you decide you're going to do something today that you know God's not in. Something that maybe you know God doesn't want you doing, but you're going to do it anyway because it's your life. Now, what you're doing is you're excluding him from your day. You say, I don't, I don't want to be around you today. And what you've done is you, you break the fellowship you put between him. It's not that he doesn't care for you. It's not that he doesn't love you. But you've told him uh, to get back in his box and you're going to go and do what you want to do. And we do that. And when you do that, that's, that's a very, very foolish choice for you to make. Because you don't know when you're going to need him. You don't know what's coming up today uh, that you might need God to, <clears throat> to step into your circumstances. Um, <clears throat> when you choose to live in sin and live apart from God, you can fool yourself. But you know what? You've asked God to step out of the, uh, out of the picture for a moment. And that, that's a bad idea. You see, y- you need him. You need him all the time. Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. What does it mean to acknowledge him in all your ways? Lord, I don't want to be doing anything today that you don't want me doing. I don't want to be going someplace that you want me going. Lord, would you direct my paths? Sometimes we can't see where the danger is and God can see it. And what we're saying is we're saying, now, Lord, listen, would you direct my paths, direct me away from danger? Direct me away from the thing that's going to be a problem and a difficulty? Isn't that what we pray and lead me not into temptation? Lead us not into temptation? Lord, just lead me away from those things that are going to be bad for me, that are going to be wrong for me. Now, look, you can't do that uh, in honesty if your heart is set on doing something you know you shouldn't be doing. That's not happening. You know, so <clears throat> here's the thing. If your heart's set on you doing something you know God doesn't want you to do, it's kind of pointless you having devotions and praying. Because when you come to him, you, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm going to trust in you, Lord. Now you lead me, you guide me, and I'm open to it. That's what I want. I want you to lead and guide. And he knows a whole lot more than you do about the, de- the, <clears throat> the troubles and the difficulties that you're facing in the next day. Uh, <clears throat> So these guys went uh, to the prophet and they sought permission to go and do, make this new uh, house for themselves. And then they made the very wise deal that they actually asked him. They asked him for it. But you know, even though they asked him for it, and even though they asked him to be there, and even though as far as they knew they were in the will of God, they were doing the right thing, the axe head flew off. Now, I'm sure the guy watched the axe head flying off and he looked at it hitting the water. And he thought, oh, no. And then the next thing he did is what we all do, right? Before anybody else saw, he tried to get it out again, didn't he? Isn't that what you'd do? You don't want to look like a fool. You didn't look, didn't, don't want to look like the guy who lost the accent. So uh, <clears throat> you go looking for it, and you try and get it out again. And you, walk, you, you would walk around that pool of water, that pond of water, and you would try every angle, and you would wade out as far as you could, and you would try everything you could uh, to find the accent. But he couldn't find it. He couldn't find it. The axe head was gone. Did you ever lose something? 
remember my first motorbike. My first motorbike was a Honda 90. <clears throat> Those were the days. Honda 90. It was a step up from a Honda 50, mind you. Uh, but, but it was a Honda 90. But uh, it was an older bike, and I remember my dad came with me, and we bought this bike. I was, I was 16. And... Um, <clears throat> And I, I was so excited to have a bike, and I was kind of flying around on my bike and so on. Well, I came in from one of my drives, I think the first evening I had the bike, and the key was not in the ignition. Now, the bike was running. It was an older bike, so <clears throat> but the key was not in it. And I was devastated. Here's my brand new, well, maybe not brand new, uh, <coughs> motorbike, and um, the key is gone. I searched everywhere. I drove around. I walked around. I looked. I searched for that key. But I couldn't find it. There was no way I could find the key. That's what this man did. Now, <clears throat> me not finding the key in my bike was, was a pain for me because it was my new bike and it upset me and so on. But it didn't really affect the bike. The bike could have been started with a screwdriver or anything, right? Uh, it, it, did, it, it, it didn't necessarily need a key. Uh, it was just for me. That was the key uh, of my bike. But for this man, the issue is a much greater issue because he was responsible for it now. This would put him in debt. This might have been the kind of a situation that got the other prophet into debt, where he borrowed something and he lost it, or he broke it, and he had to make up the money for it. And for this poor man, it looked like he, he, he could be in debt. This could have him out of the school of the prophets. Because you know, he had debt now to pay. He had problems. He had difficulties. This was huge in his life. Uh, and so uh, he's looking at his situation, and there's no way to fix it. Do you know that you and I face situations there's no way to fix all the time? Don't we? Now, we, we hate to think about that. We hate to think of it like that. We want to think we're on top of the world and we're, you know, we can make it happen and we can do it and so on. But there's so many things in life that you just can't fix. So many things in life that you just don't have the power to actually straighten it and put them right. And it doesn't matter how clever you are, how together you are, how much you have your stuff together. Like we said this morning, you're in a broken world and you're a broken person. You're going to have stuff that you can't fix. You're going to have difficulties that you can't fix. Now, you need to understand this. Our second point is this. No crisis is ever hopeless so long as we cry out to God for help in the midst of it. No crisis is ever hopeless. It may look hopeless, it might feel hopeless. You might have tried everything you could do to fix the situation. You might have searched and looked and tried to fix. It's never hopeless as long as you can cry out to God. Do you know that our God is a delivering God? That our God loves to deliver his people? And sometimes the crisis is created by him just so that you'll cry out to him. Sometimes the difficulty has been put in your life. You've been slapped with a problem for no other reason other than to make you cry out to him. God loves you enough to work in your life in ways that you don't like so that you'll actually cry out to him so that you'll come unto him. Look at Psalm 50, verse 15. Psalm 50, verse 15. This is a great verse, folks. This is a great verse. You can memorize it in a heartbeat. Psalm 50, verse 15. Look what God says. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Call upon me in the day of trouble. 
and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. What does God want you to do? God wants you to call upon him. God wants you to cry out to him in the crisis. And that's such an important part of your crisis. Now, here's what you and I will do. You and I most often will search for the, look, for the, for the axe head. We'll get our feet wet. We'll get our trousers wet. We'll risk our lives trying to uh, throw things in to uh, reach out to the axe head. We maybe even go swimming uh, to try and find the axe. We'll do absolutely anything. And when everything else has failed and we can't do it, and we realize we can't do it, then we'll cry out to God. God says, don't do that. Call upon me. See, God wants to have a close walk with you that when the crisis comes in your life, like for this poor man, he's there. You can call upon him. Now, look, he's going to be there uh, even if you haven't set everything up the way you should because he loves you. But he wants, he wants you having this close walk so that when you've got a problem, he's there. He, he wants to be the friend that helps you with all the things that need helping with. He wants, to be the, he wants to be that person that is there, that is delivering you. He wants to be known as your deliverer again and again. And he wants you to cry out to him to do it. Look at another verse. Uh, look at um, Jeremiah chapter 33, 3. That's an easy one to remember, isn't it? Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3. And he says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God says, Call unto me, I'll answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things that you know not. God is encouraging you to call on him. See, remember, you're facing crises in your life that you don't know how to fix. That maybe you're not even responsible for creating them, but you're facing crises, and God says, Call unto me. And I will answer, and I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Now, what kind of things does God want to call up, you to call upon him in? Anything that's a problem for you. Anything that's a problem for you. I mean, you mean to say he cares about the stuff in your life? Yeah, he cares about the stuff in your life. He cares about the issues in your life. He cares about the problems and the difficulties you're facing every day. I have some guys in Sunday school. Uh, <clears throat> this week we had a problem with our septic tank. We've been having a problem with our septic tank for months and months and months. And um, I got all kinds, of, uh, all kinds of advice. Most of it was going to cost me hundreds, if not thousands. Right? Some of it was going to cost thousands. All kinds of advice of what I needed to do to fix it from the experts. And, um, <clears throat> you know... First of all, I didn't have the money to spend on it, uh, but it needed to be fixed. And I'm praying about it this week. I, I, I've come to the place where I'm so burdened by this thing that I'm praying about it and asking the Lord. And the Lord helped me fix it for 12 euros. Now, you know what? I I, I'm happy about getting it fixed. Like, but I'm thinking, I could probably have had this fixed a long time ago. This probably didn't need to be the burden it was. I could probably have, if I had just called upon him and brought him into the situation uh, a long time ago. Now, you know, you don't really normally think of bringing the Lord to the septic tank, which, I mean, that's not something you want to, uh, you think of doing, you know. <clears throat> but you know what? He cares about all the problems in your life and in my life. He cares about all those problems. And <clears throat> if you cry out to him, he's going to actually come and help you. And it doesn't need to be a long theological presentation of a prayer. 
Remember Peter's prayer? He's sinking in the water. What does he say? Now, Lord, I'm your child, and you, want to, you have a work for me, and I need you to actually save me because I'm sinking down in this water, and I'm going to drown. Lord, save me. Jesus reached out and caught him. Took him in the boat. You know, when you're in trouble, God says, cry out to me, call out to me. I'll help you. Let me say this too. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we get a bit away from the Lord and then we have a problem. And the enemy sits on your shoulder and he says, no point in you crying out to him. He's not listening to you. I mean, look look at what you just did. He's not listening to you. You are in trouble. You Listen, he's not going to care about you. That's a lie. He's never going to stop loving you. Now listen, when you're crying out to him, you're going to have to get right with him. You're going to have to say, Lord, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. And, and, and don't be dumb and hard-headed and, and, and go up against God and say, no, no I'm not, I'm not going to deal with that. No, listen to us deal with it. Get it right and cry out to him because he can take care of your need. He can, <clears throat> he can help you and <clears throat> he can sort your situation out and he can do things that you, you couldn't expect that he would do. Now, this, this prophet, by the way, didn't come to Elisha and say, hey, you know what? I lost the axe head. It's in the water. Could you make it swim for a bit so I can grab it? He had no idea what Elisha could do. You have no idea how God's going to fix your problem either. You just don't know. You know, don't let it be uh, that you're kind of telling God how to fix your problem. That's not God fixing your problem. That's you giving him your wish list and telling him what you want him to do. When you've got a problem, God can fix your problem, but he's going to show you great and mighty things that you know it's not. He's going to do things in your life that you're not expecting. He's going to do things in your life in ways that you're not expecting. <clears throat> and you see, this, this, this poor man was in desperate need, and he cried out to God. Right? So what does Elijah do? Well, Elijah, Elijah rather, what does Elijah do? <clears throat> so he, he, he cut off a stick. Look what it says that he did. Back in 2 Kings. So the man of God said, where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Now, first of all, God knew where the axe head was. He didn't need to know uh, where it had fallen. And second of all, why cut down a stick and throw it in? Well, I've heard people do great, you know, explanations on, on that and bring it to the cross and so on. And I suppose... You know, you, you could actually make some kind of a case for that, but it just seems like a bit of elastic bands to me. I, but you know what happened? That's what Elijah did. They were cutting wood. And Elijah cut a branch and just threw it in. Do I know why? No. Is it a type of the cross? It might be. It just doesn't grab me uh, as such. It might be. <clears throat> but he just cuts down a branch. Now, here's what's interesting. Elisha doesn't do something wild and amazing and, um, <clears throat> you know, summon up a wind and blow back the water and expose the axe and then lift the axe with levitation power. He, he just throws a stick in the water and it swims. Now, <clears throat> you know, sometimes God does amazing miracles in very understated ways. Amazing things in really understated ways, like Naaman. Hey, go wash in the Jordan. I, th- I thought he'd come out and wave his hands and you know <clears throat> talk about the whole situation and uh, and pray about it and and see so went away in a huff. But 
All I need to do is go dip in the Jordan. All God needed to do was throw a, have Elisha throw a piece of wood into the water. You're not going to be able to work out what God's going to do in your life and how he's going to do it. And if you get in the way by deciding you have a plan and this is how it's supposed to play out, uh, you're going to just create a problem for yourself. Instead, just let God do what God does. Lord, I have a problem. Lord, I can't fix it. Or would you take care of me? And he will. He will take care of you. And <clears throat> so that's what he does for, uh, for this poor man. He takes care of the situation for him. Um, <clears throat> now, <clears throat> and you see, God is able to use the circumstances in the crisis itself in order to bring about a solution to it. God's able to use what's available. And, and you will not be able to see what God's going to do. But he's able to take and do it. So don't, 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 don't bind them all up. So that's your, that's your third point, right? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> that God is able to take and he's able to use the circumstances of the crisis, right? Uh, <clears throat> Our God is fond of doing in a crisis things that you couldn't expect. And he uses the circumstances. Remember Peter with the, uh, with the tax. They came, they were looking for the temple tax from Peter. And Peter hadn't got it. What does Jesus tell him to do? Well, you're a fisherman. Go fish for it. Go catch a fish, and in the fish's mouth, you'll find the money. Go pay the tax for you and me. Now, that's an amazing miracle. First of all, how did the fish get in the, how did the t- money get in the fish's mouth? And second of all, how did Peter catch exactly that fish? And third of all, wouldn't it have been easy, easier for Jesus to put his hand in his pocket and create money and give it to Peter? But he uses the circumstances. Well, what about the feeding of the 5,000? God does an amazing miracle there. And gee, what does Jesus say? What, what have you got? I'll take and I'll use what you've got. Five loaves and two fishes. Okay, let's use them. And he uses them <clears throat> for the miracle. And <clears throat> salvation has a picture like that too because you know that <clears throat> a man called Adam created a problem that affected every one of us. And so what did God do? He sent another man to fix it. He sent another man to deal with the situation. A man sinned, and God dealt with us all on the basis of the man's sin, and then he sent another man. And this man didn't sin. This man was the God-man. And this man took and reversed the issue. He paid the price and broke the problem. You see, God often does that. God often takes us uh, in our situation, and he fixes the situation with things that are in the situation. Maybe God's trying to use something in your situation to fix your situation, and you're saying, no. Not that. No, no, didn't want that. No, no. no I, I had my plans on something else. I, I honestly think the children of God get bound up very often because they can't see the simple, straightforward answer that's in the situation uh, that God wants to use to fix the situation. God doesn't need to do something <clears throat> that's extraordinary. He can just take the situation and fix the situation with something in the situation. Let him do his stuff. He's good at it. You and I don't know anything like we want to know or need to know or think we know. Let God do his stuff and fix your situation. Here's the other point, though. God will only meet our needs in a crisis uh, as far as it's necessary for us to do our part. God wants you to do your part. Now, what does God want? God wants from you. He wants you to actually do what you can do. Here's the situation with the guy. The, the, the axe head's lost. The axe head's down in the water, and um, 
Uh, Elisha puts the wood in the water. The axe head swims. Now, why couldn't he make the axe head swim into the guy's hand? Or back onto the axe? You know, better axe than ever. A supernatural axe. Now, why couldn't he do that? He could have. He just doesn't. He says, okay, now you reach out and get it. Do you know that God has given you power and ability to do certain things? The man could not get in the water and find the axe. That was, that was impossible for him to do. So God did what he couldn't do, but he left it back at his doorstep with what he could do. You pick it up. You fix the axe. And you move on with the situation now. And God's always going to do that in your life. He's going to take and he's going to want you to do what you can do uh, in the crisis situation and get it worked out. So, listen, he'll do the impossible for you, but then he'll take and he'll expect you to actually do And sometimes we get all muddled up with that. Don't we? We, want to, we want to stay away from the situation. We don't want to do anything in the situation. No, God, God gives you power to do certain things, and he wants you to do those things in the situation. So <clears throat> God will do what you can't do, but then he expects you to do what you should do. Like, do, you ever, do you ever hear, hear of somebody uh, <clears throat> praying for money? They were broke. They needed money. And you say to them, that, have you looked for jobs? No, I'm praying for God. I'm doing it by faith. I'm praying for God to actually give me money. Well, God has given us a means for making money. Get a job. You know what? It may well be that that's what God is going to work through in your life as far as the money is concerned. Now, that's not to say there aren't times when, you know, you've done what you can and uh, it, <clears throat> you're still struggling, you're still in trouble, but God wants you to be involved in the situation. God wants you to do what you can do. You know, here we have 5,000 people being fed by the loaves and the fishes. So the disciples go and put them all down in 50s. And then they go around and they pass out all the food. And then they go around and they gather up the baskets. Well, why couldn't God have saved them all the bother and actually done all that for them? Because he doesn't do that. He expects you to do what you can do in the situation. Sometimes we're looking for a miracle when the situation is actually in, within our reach to fix, if we'll only do what we're supposed to do. Don't expect God to do something in your life and do something for you that he's given you the power and the ability to do yourself. Now, don't go off w- w- with your own plan. You know, excluding God from the picture. I've got to fix this situation. Here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this and this and this. Because you'll find that God won't give you peace to do certain things. And the Bible says that the peace of God, uh, let the peace of God rule in your heart. And that means as an umpire. Do you know that the peace of God should be the thing that says, hey, that's wrong. When the peace of God's gone, you shouldn't be doing it. When God gives you peace to do something, unless God gives you peace to do something, you shouldn't be doing it. Now, we can be hard-headed, and we can override that when we, we do it to our peril. I've done it a few times, and it's cost me. It's cost me greatly. God gives you peace to do certain things, and you should do them. So, you know, it's not like you can do whatever you like because I can do it. No, there's a peace to do it, and there's no peace to do it. And You know, if you walk anyway close to God, you know the difference between the two. You know when God's giving you peace, and you know when God's standing against you. You know, you, you know the sense of, of ease in your soul when you're doing what God would have you to do. Not sometimes you don't have conflict about it, but you have a peace with the conflict that tells you this is the right thing to do. This is the okay, okay thing to do. Don't 
override that. There's to be a, an umpire, a ruler in your heart, and it's peace. When God takes away his peace, you say, what's happening? I want that back. What do I have to do to get that back? I'm not moving ahead until I get that back. <clears throat> you, 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 need, you need to operate on the basis of that peace in your life. Don't let it uh, <clears throat> be taken away. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of things in your life that God's going to say to you, well, why don't you to fix it? But what are you looking for me to do a miracle? God wants you to actually step in and <clears throat> fix the situation yourself. He wants you to do what you can do with it. <clears throat> so the man put out his hand and he took it in and a crisis is averted. Now you know what? God can avert, God can help you in the crisis of your life. You're definitely going to have crises in your life. There's no way to avoid it. First of all, make sure God's with you before you get in the crisis. Make sure you're saved. Make sure you're walking with him. You can face anything as long as you've got God in the situation. Make sure God's with you uh, <clears throat> in the situation. And secondly, when you come to the crisis, when the crisis actually comes upon you and you can't fix it, you don't have the ability to fix it, cry out to God. Why do we wait? Why do we wait when we've been given an invitation uh, to come boldly before the throne of grace? Why do we wait? Cry out to God. Lord, I need your help uh, in this situation. <clears throat> Third thing is, expect that what God is going to do uh, is going to be powerful, and yet it may not be exactly what you think should happen in your situation. Don't bind him. Don't put him in the place uh, where you're looking for him to do <clears throat> Uh, something in the situation that that um, you think should happen in the situation. Let him do what he's going to do. And third of all, a fourth, do what you're supposed to do. Do what he's put in your power to do. If you need money, get a job. Right? If your health is ailing, go see the doctor. See what you're supposed to do to get it right. You know, <clears throat> listen, the Christians sometimes can be very foolish in the way they approach life. We make things a matter of faith when God is saying, just get on with it and do it. Now, don't override his peace, but you know what? See to those things. There's a lot of things God gives you a power to actually see to and do it. You are going to face crisis, but your crisis never have to overwhelm you or destroy you. God is there. Just keep those principles in mind. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for this people. Thank you for the story of the axe head too, Lord. Lord, do ask, you know, that you would bless us tonight, Lord. I know you have that for someone here tonight, Lord. And oh, Lord, would you help us in the crisis of life uh, that we might look to you and that we might know your presence and that we might see your power working on our behalf. Lord, we love you. We thank you now in Jesus' precious name. Amen.